0: You know, it's uh, such an amazing time that we live in, such an awesome opportunity that we have to worship the King of Kings. He's alive. (laughs) What I love about our worship team is that we just sing the Word. (laughs) I hope you catch on to that, but the majority of what we sing is just the Word. It's found in the Word, and it's just declarations from the Word. So as we were singing, I was just getting all these different downloads of what the Lord was, uh, was saying. And, you know, one of the things that, that we sang is, Oh, uh, death, where is your sting? In 1 Corinthians 15, 55, I believe it is, is where it says that, Oh, grave, where is your victory? And uh, it's talking about the conquest over death. You know what is so amazing is I was studying this week and just spending time with the Lord... Uh, one of the passages that just, just wrecks me is in, is in Matthew chapter 27, and uh, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. You can just make a note of it. Uh, it was when Jesus, it's, it's Matthew's account of Jesus on the cross. He just cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for those who don't know, that's the only place Jesus referred to God as, as God and not as Father. Are you with me? In every other reference, when he's referring to him, he's referring to him as Father. Why? Because he came to demonstrate, to bring back us to God, to bring us back into relationship with God. So he was revealing who he is as Father. Amen. That's good. That's so sweet, because what he wanted us to understand is he's not God far off. He's Father who's near. And it was on the cross that he cried out, my God, my God. Why? Because he had taken our place for sin. He became sin, not by an action. And this is something I've shared before, but when you study through the book of Romans, it's important to note that when he talks about our sin, the majority of the time he's talking about a noun, not a verb. And what that's talking about is a nature. It's talking about a, a sin nature, not an action. Are you with me? We're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're sinners. We're sinners. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not a sinner. Does that mean I don't ever make a mistake? Nope, that's not what it means. But what it does mean is this, that sin is not who I am. My nature was changed because of the cross. My nature was changed. And that's what he's talking about. He gave us a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about that. I don't want to go there right now. I'm telling you, this is the hardest Sunday to preach because there's so much. It's, and, and don't get give me, if you're new with us, welcome. Thank you for being here. Yesterday afternoon, we went to see the movie Heaven is for Real. If you got to choose between Heaven is for Real and God's Not Dead, go see God's Not Dead. It's the jump. Jesus is the only way into salvation, into relationship. It's not because God loves us so much, it is. He loved us so much that He gave someone. He gave His Son. So we don't get to heaven by being good. We don't get to heaven by coming on Easter Sunday. We get to heaven because of the resurrected Christ who conquered death, hell, and the grave, who paid the payment for our sin once and for all. That's how we get to heaven. And heaven is for real. That's how the the relationship is established is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what Hebrews says. And uh, Hebrews... Chapter 10, I was reading, as we were singing, I read Hebrews 9 to 10. And I I don't normally read. I normally worship during worship. I don't normally read. You know, we can get caught up in, in trying to hear from God when we should be just worshiping God. But I was just getting these downloads, and I said, and that can happen. So, you know, don't put yourself or me in a box, okay? And it says this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, And every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for, the, for after he had, be, had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, verse 9, brethren, Verse 19, "...having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." Hallelujah. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And he's talking about the day of the Lord's return. He said, as you see that day approaching, encourage one another all the more. Gather all the more, not just on Sunday or just Easter Sunday. I told my wife... (laughs) Last night in the movie, they was talking about something. They said something in the movie about Easter lilies. And I said, snap, we don't have any lilies for the church. (laughs) Some some people aren't used to seeing church without lilies in it. (laughs) Lilies in it are uh, the poinsettias at Christmas. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, moving right along. So as I was meditating on that and and just thinking this week, one of the passages I was talking about that just wrecks me is Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, he had just cried out, and it says in verse 50, and when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost, and he said, it is finished, and we're just saying it was finished. The veil was rent. You know what the veil is? The veil was the breadth of a man's hand. That's what I think the King James Version said. So it meant that the veil, not how wide it was, but from the material, from the front side of the material to the back side of the material, was as thick as a man's hand. Woven. That's how thick the veil was this way. Not this way and not, not high this way. But that's how thick it was. And when Jesus cried, It is finished. The Bible says there was a great earthquake, and the veil was rent from top to bottom. But that's not all that happened. This is what just jacks me up. There was so much power released when Jesus cried, it is finished, because sin forever had been paid for. That it shook all of I believe it was around the world. I believe it was the shook the shake that was heard around the world, not the shot. It was the shake that was felt around the world, not just localized to Jerusalem, to Israel. I believe the whole earth shook because the curse was broken off of the earth once for all. Come on. that just ran all over me. Verse 50, it says, And he, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain, this is King James Version. From the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake. There you go. Thank you, Lord, for confirming my, my belief. <laughs> I just, I'm so sharp. I just, I've read that. I can tell you how many times today. But. And the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Verse 53, and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Put that up, Diana. This is a picture in Israel when we were standing. This is the temple mount up here. Oh, you can see the graduated. You can't see it because of the angle. But these are tombs that are facing the eastern gate. They're facing Israel. We were standing here and we were looking. And, and these rocks, you can see... You can't tell but these rocks are their tradition is when they go visit they'll put a rock so that the dead person will know they've been there <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> but it's what they do it's what they do so you'd walk through there and you'd see just rocks and what was sad You would make you want to just pick up a rock and put it on somebody's because some people did they ain't got no rocks and others they've just covered up with rocks. You just want to go, "Oh man, and just spread out the rocks, you know." I'm not making fun. I'm just saying. But the this and you can't see it from this picture. If you if you move down to the right from from all these tombs, they just cover this hillside. And they're facing the east. And if you move down right at the eastern gate, there are tombs on that side too, and they're facing west. And those are tombs of the Muslims who have died, and since they have taken possession of the Temple Mount, they bury their dead right there facing the West, because their belief is when the resurrection happens, they're going to fight the Jews and keep them from coming, coming in. I mean, that's their plan. That's why they're facing, the Jews are facing the East, because they're going to come in the Eastern Gate, because Scripture says that he's coming in the Eastern Gate, and they even blocked up the Eastern Gate. I mean, I'm just saying... But it said, listen, these tombs, and I don't know how old they are, but they are from ages. It said, and and what's amazing is Jerusalem is up on a hill. You understand what I'm saying? That hill, this hill here, keeps going up. And that's where Jerusalem sits on the hill. What I'm saying is this. When Jesus said it is finished, the temple is just in front of that, up on the hill. The veil in the temple was rent. The earth quaked. The rocks split. And dead people came to life. Now, I don't, I believe, I believe that they were awakened. I don't believe they came out of their tomb because he says he's the firstborn from the dead. One of two things happened. Either it just meant their tombs were, were, were uh, split open and they were in there, but life hadn't come back into them, or either they were resurrected much like the widow's son of Nain that will die again it doesn't say what happened to these witnesses i mean that these people who rose it just says they woke up and started walking around Jerusalem now <laughs> i'm just saying why is this important because today we celebrate resurrection sunday we celebrate jesus rose from the grave ephesians says that same power lives in us right but that power was so powerful. It, wasn't, it didn't just bring Jesus out of the grave. When he said it is finished, the earth shook and dead people got up. The, the power that God released in the resurrection, it was, in Ephesians says he's able to exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. What I believe is this. When, that, when the, Jesus said it is finished, there was so much power released, it just shook these tombs. And then when Jesus resurrected, there was so much life released that dead people got up out of their tombs, and they weren't dead anymore. And it says that he led captivity captive, and so I don't, I don't know The scriptures aren't clear in saying if these people, uh, if they raptured up with Jesus when he went up, when they saw him in the clouds, how cool would that have been? They're walking around in town for a little while then Jesus is, is taken up into heaven and all these dead people who've been walking around, they were taken up too. Or if they just lived and they died, just like widow's son of name, just like Lazarus. Lazarus died again. Are you tracking with me? I don't know that when they resurrected, they had their glorified body. That's not my point. My point is this. When Jesus said it is finished, the veil was rent. Hebrews says that the p- sacrifice for sin was paid. And there was so much power released that the whole earth shook and it opened up tombs. I say, Jerusalem's up on the hill and they look over this way because they have great reverence for their dead. They have great reverence for those who have passed. I'm just saying, I'm sure there were people looking over the wall when the people started coming out of the tombs. And they're going, this is a different day. This is a different day today. I'm kind of in a teaching mood, so I'm going to dispel something else. that's okay with you. If it's not, it'll be all right. Jesus wasn't crucified on Friday. <laughs> oxygen, somebody bring oxygen in the room. Oh, the oxygen just left the room. He wasn't crucified on a Friday. He said that he would be in the tomb three days and three nights. He didn't say, I'd be in there a day and a half, and we'll call it three. That's not what he said. As a matter of fact, in John's gospel, John talks about a high day, the high day. If it had been a regular Sabbath, he wouldn't have called it a high, a high day. There was, in that time, because of the year, the way their calendar is, it's not like ours. Theirs is a lunar calendar, is that correct? Somebody help me. Some of you Hebrew scholars, it's a lunar calendar. So they have 354 days a year. And there are times that they have what's called a high Sabbath where they celebrate because of timing. And scholars believe because of timing, that would have happened on a Thursday. So Jesus would have had to have been taken down. So that morning, that high Sabbath, he would have been in the grave. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rose on Sunday. Are you with me? He was in the grave three days. And you can study, you can look in John's gospel and it talks about the high Sabbath. As a matter of fact, I'll give you the passage. Leviticus talks about the high days uh, as well. But it's uh, in, John, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 12, 40, it says, Whereas Jonas was there three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then in John 7:37 it says, "In the last day, that great day, this is another reference to the great day of the feast." I'm sorry, Jesus stood, cried saying, "If man thirst, let him come to me and drink." I'm not going to go there just yet. John 19:31 says, "The Jews, therefore, be, because it was preparation that the body should remain upon the cross on the Sabbath. Should, the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, because the Sabbath day was a high day." They besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So this word high day here is, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the, the Greek word because uh, I would just make something funny that you laugh at. So it says, it's, it's referred to or can be translated a great day or the great day. In the Old Testament in Leviticus, it talks about uh, the regular weekly Sabbath was called a holy convocation I'm not going to get into all that. What I'm saying is this: there was a distinction in it being called a high day. Why is that important? Because I think many times uh, we hold true, we hold beliefs that are mere traditions, and then they don't make sense to us. So instead of understanding who he is and what he's done, we just push him aside and hope nobody ever asks us. And we don't allow the life of what's held in here to be released into us because we have questions that we don't want to get answers to because that means that, that one, we, we're going to have to study. <laughs> no, he didn't. Two, it means that we have to change some of the things that we've believed all our lives. You know, and I'm not anti-Good Friday. It is really good to me because he had already paid the price on Friday. <laughs> it's a really good Friday. Because he was in the tomb. Where well, it really wasn't there. He'd gone down to paradise, uh, to the center of the earth, and, and we're not going to get into that. But he says he led the captivities captive. He went down and uh, shared deliverance with those who were in the heart of the earth. Uh, and he was there three days. But he didn't stay, he resurrected. And then. Um, Let us see where we're going now. Acts chapter 2. We were singing about when the Holy Spirit came in fire. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, it says this This is after the day, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. See, here's, um, here's my heart today. I want you to hear that He's alive, and I'm alive. And being alive doesn't mean I have breath in my body. Being alive means I have the life of God in me. Big difference. There's a lot of people with breath in their body who have no life in them. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That word life Zoe, it's the God kind of life. It's the very life that Jesus demonstrated. It's the life that Jesus gave. Right? Acts 2, 22. Peter uh is has just got through, uh has just finished, just got through, man. That's great grammar. Just finished quoting Joel chapter 2 about in the last days. Uh I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Isn't that awesome? That in that in this message, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, in this message, he wanted to know he wanted them to understand that he everything changed. There's not male and female or Jew or Gentile. Everything changed. He said, "Your sons and your daughters will prophesy." So where religion disqualifies some, you know, tr- denominationalism will disqualify some that. Women can teach to a certain age and then they can't because then they're usurping authority over a man because at a, at a 13, a, a boy becomes a man. We bought that. I did. I bought that. Hook, line, and sinker. Well, that, and, but it, it amazed me in the denomination we were in that we would support missionaries overseas. It was okay for them to, to teach to the little Africans but not the, the educated people over here. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but Peter here, Joel prophesying, here's what's going to happen with Holy Spirit, and Peter emphasizing a purpose that he wanted us to see, that it, there's no distinction on your sons and your daughters, this spirit has been poured out. Your sons and your daughters can prophesy. They can declare who he is. They can foretell and foretell. Amen. Why are you saying all that? Because we need to understand whose we are and who we are so that we can do what we're called to do. Not sit here with pretty flowers and hoping the unsaved people come in on Easter so they can hear a message about Jesus and get born again but that we can live resurrected lives that have the power that raised him from the dead in us affecting every area of our life. Wherever you work, that's your mission field. You have opportunity. Wherever you have influence, that's your opportunity to share the gospel. Male and female, young and old. That's why we'll have times in here when we have the young people come in and minister because they're not disqualified. You know what I've seen? Many times the young people can, well, you there now. I done stepped in it. They'll see results faster because they're not trying to get God to do anything. They believe God's already done it. They haven't been baptized in unbelief. They've been taught, especially in this church, in this ministry, they've been taught that he's alive, and that means something. Terry, what's your youngest son's name? Isaac. I, I got it now. Isaac. It, 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 regularly, he'll come up to me. Can I pray for you? I'm, absolutely. And he'll tell, tell the Lord what a good man I am and how blessed we are to have me. <laughs> I see him coming, and I come pray. He saw me there. He said, you like my shirt? I said, I do. He said, Mom and I match, and Dad and Noah match. We have on pink, and they have on purple. I said, you rock, he said. See, they hadn't been taught, well, you've got to do it this way, you've got to do it that way. A kid shouldn't go up and pray for the preacher. The preacher's got to do all the praying. Good. Your sons and your daughters. your young and your old. Amen. See, I'm, I want to dispel the lies of the enemy and let you know that if you have breath in your lungs, in the Spirit of God in you, you are qualified. You are qualified and equipped. That's good stuff. <laughs> men of Israel, hear the word. So he just, he... Uh, I'll just read what he's, he's quoting, Joel. And it come to pass, verse 17, in the last day, says, God, thou will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. <laughs> I'll tell you where the transition takes place. <laughs> if you left visions and started dreaming, well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't, I don't shun any of them. I take a vision or a dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> Y'all need to smile and on my maid servants my, my men servants and my maid servants i will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy do, do you see he's removing all this he's oh man he's rem, he's removing gender barriers he's re, he's removing social barriers your men servants your maid servants so you you cannot say well if i was so and so then i could do that No. Nope. you might be the person who collects the trash the custodial, whatever the new politically correct name is for janitor, head of custodial services for the beautification of the building. (laughs) Whatever your title may be, you have the anointing of God on you that can destroy yokes. You can walk up, if the Lord so led, to the president or CEO of the company and give them a word that could bring breakthrough just like that. I really believe with, with every fiber of my being that there are promotions and opportunities that aren't seized because we're more worried about what men think about us than what God knows about us. That's the truth. And we're too worried if I go speak to some, so I might get fired. So what? That's easy for you to say. <laughs> You're not the one who get fired. Now, I'm not saying turn what you're getting paid to do into your preaching post. That's not what I'm saying. You're not a good steward. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if the Lord prompts you to say something, it could be, I just believe that it could be the thing that brings breakthrough to that person who may have been holding you back. They might get saved and set free and say, you know what? There's more in you than I've ever seen before. You don't need to be picking up trash. Come on. That was free. I don't know who that was for. That just rose up in me. I don't have notes, so I can't, can't say I had it in my notes. Uh, Maid servants, so I'll pour out my spirit, and they'll prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. You know, the Lord just keeps... High- Is that all right? I just keep sharing what's... Uh, what's what Ed Calum said and Ben said, too? I'm going to keep talking till I say something. I've been saying a whole lot. I don't know if you've been hearing, <laughs> but I've been saying a whole lot. But the, the Lord just keeps highlighting to me... The importance of signs. How we use signs in everyday life. And how he said, signs will follow us. I don't worship signs. I worship the Savior. But he said, as a worshiper of him, these signs will follow me. I'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. I'll speak with new tongues. He said, if I drink any deadly thing, it won't harm me. Ben was showing me pictures when they were in Mexico. And they ate some stuff. That's what I'll say. <laughs> it was some stuff. I've seen pictures of John in Africa and he ate some stuff. You know, when I was in Haiti, the DR, it's, we're, it's, we're just pampered in the DR when we go as far as food is. They take care of us. But I was in Haiti. There was things I didn't want to know what it was. I would not ask what it was. I would eat it. I would bless it, eat it, and thank the Lord for it and did not want to know what it was. You know what I'm saying? Y'all tracking with me? Because sometimes you know what it is. You go, Whoop, and you, and you, <laughs> you may be halfway through the meal, but once you know what it is, that gag reflex starts working on you. I didn't want to know what it was. <laughs> Had no idea. But I talked to Ben. I said, Ben, you eat this stuff, and I mean, you don't. Work. He said, No, I don't get sick. I'm redeemed from that. Oh, I mean, <laughs> no, man, that's good stuff. We eat it. All. I mean, they eat these little. I don't know that it, some of the. <sighs> I mean, I've been to Mexico, and I've seen the guys that come up on their little bikes pedaling. They don't have a sanitation grade. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of the pictures he's showing me, this ta- oh, this taco stand, man, this one right here. Look at that. Oh, man, you see that? You eat taco? Yeah, that's a taco right there. That's Ben talking. I mean, he was just away from here. He, he was raptured back into that place of that taco stand where they were eating. And I'm just thinking, uh, thank God that Peter said that we redeemed. <laughs> <laughs> Signs and wonders. <laughs> Mark said, not Peter. Mark said, "You eat any deadly thing; it won't drink they it won't harm you." Ben's eleven living, living testimony <laughs> of that. He said, "Signs in the earth beneath." I, I and again, we don't worship signs, but I believe that He'll give you a sign that'll make you wonder. I believe that the there's. Been so few signs that many in the church have no idea where they're going. Not because we seek a sign, not because we worship a sign, but signs point to someone. His name is Jesus. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Don't get carried away. Yes, we just had a blood moon. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now what does this past blood moon mean? I don't know. Something's going to happen. Something happened. There was a blood moon. I know that. Here's what I know. Is Jesus coming back? Absolutely. Whether there's another blood moon or not, Jesus is coming back. When? No man knows. What's my responsibility? To live like the kingdom is here to understand his spirit has been poured into me for a reason not to look pretty but to live powerful men of israel peter said after he quoted joel men of israel hear the word hear these words jesus of nazareth a man attested of god attested by god to you how by miracles wonders excuse me Miracles, wonders and signs. What he was basically saying is, "You're without excuse." Because he came doing something you'd never seen before. He came with one. Do you ever think about that? Welcome into my world. Do you ever think about what the Bible really says? There were miracles, there were wonders, and there were signs. We lump them all together right? I mean, maybe you don't. You're more spiritual than me. But we just read over that and we've got miracles, wonders, and signs. We, I, I know what a miracle is. You know, that's a blind eye open, a deaf ear hearing, a lame man walking. Then there are wonders that he performed. And then there are signs. And they all pointed to God, They all pointed that he was here, the redeemer of man. He came for a purpose. But all of them pointed to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, What is a a wonder that Jesus did? He turned the water into wine. Yeah, some could say that's a miracle. Some could say it's a wonder. He raised the dead. That would be a sign. Here's your sign. (laughs) He's not just a normal guy. (laughs) Right? Okay. It's early. It's the Lord. Signs which God did through him in, the, in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Verse 23. Him, being delivered by determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and cruci- have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, b- because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he, speaking of the Lord, uh, is at my right hand, that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. That's a Selah right there. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you. Don't you love that? Like he'd been holding back up to this point. He just said, you're the one who killed him. He did signs and wonders. And he says, but now let me just speak freely. You know, it's kind of, you can liken it to we're talking to someone and we go, let let me just be honest with you. You My mind flips over and goes, okay, you've been lying to me all this time. (laughs) Because now you want to be honest with me. It's a figure of speech. But he's saying, hey, if you give me just a second, I want to speak freely now. I've been quoting these other guys. Now I want to tell you what's on my heart. Who is this? This is Peter. What had he done? He had rejected him. What did did, Joel do? I think that this prophecy by Joel was as refreshing to Peter. I think it's got Peter so stirred up as he was reading this prophecy by Joel because he realized that your men servants and your maid servants, that God had removed all restraint on who could share. And I think Peter just got a revelation of how forgiven he was. And he said, give me a minute, let me speak freely. He got stirred up. Let me speak freely. Verse 29. Let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the the promise of Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's speaking freely now. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words testified, he testified and exhorted. There's a, see, y'all think I'm long-winded. That's all he said that we know about. Then it says, with many other words, he exhorted him. So you know what that means? He wasn't finished. He kept on exhorting them and telling them who Jesus was. He said, be saved from this perverse generation. Wow. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Many wonders and signs were done through the hands of the apostles. But he said this Peter said, They said, We are cut. They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. See, man, tradition says, and I'm not trying to kick over a bunch of people's apple carts this morning, but. I guess that's what I'm doing. Happy Resurrection Day. It says, repent and let everyone be baptized. See, we get taught in church that repent means confess all your sins. It doesn't say that. Nowhere in the scriptures it say you have to confess all your sins to be born again. What it does say is you need to do is repent. That means you were headed this way, you believed this, you met Jesus, you turned and you went this way. It means to turn and go the other direction. It means to turn from sin to Jesus. Yes. That's repentance. And not just sin. It can mean return, it can mean turn from a wrong belief about Jesus to who he says that he is and who he's revealed. Amen. It can be, repent can be, he said, How, what do we do with this message that you've given us, Peter? He said, repent. Change what you think. Change how what you think affects how you walk. And you'll, you'll receive this same thing, this same person that we have. See, repentance is not confessing all your sins. Repentance is seeing from His perspective. And that's my heart today. Is that in our hearts and in our minds, there'd be a resurrection of understanding exactly who Jesus is and what that means to me and how just as Peter was saying here, that on your men servants, your maidservants, your sons, your daughters, there's no one disqualified who has relationship with him. You say, Well, I'm not seeing it like you're talking about it. Then what you need to do? Repent. Hallelujah. And again, repentance doesn't mean tell God everything you've done wrong. It means agree, make agreement with what we see and know is truth in God's word, and make adjustment. Starts with agreement, is followed through with adjustment. Because if we just make agreement, all we become is religious. And here's what will happen. When we make agreement without adjustment, what happens? The next time we hear it, we go, oh, I know that. But there's no adjustment been made in our lives. And that's why we have people. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They heard the truth all the time. And they agreed with the truth. But when truth came, they didn't make an adjustment. Does that make sense to anybody other than me? It's perfectly knit together in my mind. I just want to make sure that I'm not just talking, that I'm communicating. There's a difference. I want us to understand that, yes, I'm thankful for Resurrection Sunday. I'm thankful that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. That e- Ephesians chapter 4, I got time. <laughs> Somebody said, Oh Lord. Ephesians 4 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy your calling, which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, and you are all called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You think he's trying to get him to see something? Hallelujah. (laughs) But, he says, he wants you to understand that we're one, we're one in him, it's all because of him, Right? Oh, that's it. We're all baptized in the same person. We're all one in him. But then he gets to verse 7. He says, but to each, look at your neighbor. Say, that means you. But to each one of us, grace was given. And the word grace there is gift. Was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity, captivity captive, and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also one who ascended far above all the heavens, and and that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, which means complete, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is he saying? To each one of us, when Christ resurrected, to each one of us was given a gift. And as we begin to operate in that gift, we reveal the fullness of Christ and who he is. In the earth, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. For the he said that he gave gifts to each one of us, verse 7. Then he says in verse 12 that he gave some in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers not to do the work of the ministry, but to equip the saints the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. So what is he saying? That resurrection is more than Jesus is alive. The resurrection is the empowering of the body to be the body that every person has a gift. And as every person brings their gift into the body and functions and flows in that gift, it demonstrates to the world the fullness of who he is. Every joint supplying, every person brings something, every person brings life because he is life and he lives in us. And as we come together, each person bringing their part. That's why Hebrews 10, we started with, he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? So we can go to church, so we can see everybody and all that. No, because you bring a part. Church is not about coming to get. Do we receive? Absolutely. Thank God that we receive. But I'm not the only one on Sundays who brings something. I got a few, amen. I am not. But we've been, we've been lulled to sleep in religion to say, you go to church so you can get blessed. Not that, man, you're a carrier of the presence of the Lord. And when you walk in the room, shift happens. So when those who come in who don't know, that's who Peter, he was talking to those who had an, a knowledge about it in Acts chapter 2. But it wasn't just those that had a knowledge about God that got saved. It said 3,000 people got saved. Why? Because they began to repent and they began to say, God, you're right and we were wrong. We want you. And it, it, it spread. That's good stuff. But each of us have a part. Each of us bring a part. And that's not about working in this area of ministry or working in this area of ministry. It's all about understanding all that Jesus accomplished for me so that I can understand what he's done in me so that I can let it out to affect those around me. That's good news right there. As we function, as he has designed us to function, he said that we come to the fullness of the measure of Christ. I, I believe as we function in that way, that I don't care what comes through that door broken, hurt, diseased, it'll be changed, and they will not leave the same. Why? Not because I'm here speaking. But because we here, as the body, carry his presence and we come together, the fullness of who he is is manifested. As we worship in one heart and one mind, the fullness of who he is is manifested. And I believe people can be healed sitting in their seats. They can be delivered from mindsets and from lies. They've believed all their lives. They can be set free, radically transformed. And it comes as the body recognizing, I'm not just an old sinner that was saved by grace. I was a sinner a thing. That's what I was, a sinner. And because I was a sinner, I sinned. But I got born again, and since I've been born again, I'm one spirit with the Lord, and I may commit a sin. I may do a wrong, but doesn't change who I am. It doesn't turn me into a sinner that's been forever taken care of. You don't believe me? Go back and read Hebrews 9 and 10. Go back and read that and see how emphatic he is that we've been, it's, it's a new nature. Colossians, I love Colossians too in the New Living Translation because it deals very specific, it uses that terminology, you got a new nature. It was in my email this week that I sent out. It talks about that he changed our nature. Why is that important? I don't want this to be another Easter Sunday where we come and we celebrate Jesus is alive but there's no life in us. I don't want it to be another Easter Sunday that we come in knowing that, that he is alive, but, there, but that we still are dealing with death all around us and in us with wrong beliefs, with, with things going on in our body, things going on in, in our family. Not that we can control our family, but that we can believe with the authority that he's given us that, that change happens because of who he is. Come on, that we all have opportunity to share the gospel and it looks different for each one of us. It doesn't mean that every one of you are going to go out on the street with me or with Ben or with someone knocking on doors or something like that. But that does not excuse you. If you say, well, that's not my comfort zone. That does not excuse you from the Great Commission. Right. What that means is, but the reason most people who are truly born again don't share is because they don't feel qualified. Not because they don't care. Because they don't feel qualified. And I want you to understand from the truth of the Word of God that He said, I've removed your disqualifications, not because of what you did, but because of the finished work of my son. So whether that's sharing with a friend, a family member, whether it's posting on Facebook, I'm not going to put a box there. I'm just saying, I, want, uh, I, I really want us to encounter Resurrection life personally. Not just Resurrection Sunday, but resurrection life personally, where we go, you know what? He's alive and I'm alive and I'm going to live from life. So that means I won't live from limitations of my past. I won't live from what others have said I will or will not be. That's broken off today because when He died, the dead were raised and I am not going to live like a dead man or a dead woman anymore. Whom the sun set free is free indeed.